0: Hey there, AV Clubbers. This is your senior editor, John Tatey, and I'm here with the debut of Mom on Pop, a podcast in which my mom talks about pop culture. Now, Mom, you have reviewing experience having guested on the logical podcast many times, and uh, yeah. you reviewed video games, but now you're widening your purview to, to the whole world of pop culture, allow me to introduce to our listeners, if they haven't heard her before, Bonnie Tatey, my mom.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: So are you you excited to get beyond video games? Did you get tired of reviewing the video games?
1: Oh, no, because it seemed like we didn't really just stick to video games. We kind of wandered around a little bit, and that was interesting, although I felt that was my fault, but it seemed to work okay.
0: Well, there's no fault. I think everybody enjoyed that.
1: Well, the purpose was people, you know, people tuned in to talk about or hear about video games. And I was kind of all over the place sometimes.
0: Well, that's fine.
1: But I would like to say that the commenters were always very kind.
0: Well, they and I'm sure they'll be kind to you on the uh, AV Club mothership as well.
1: I hope hope
0: so. You sound dubious.
1: Well, I I've read some of their comments, and they they they're a little different than the the fellas that I knew from Gameological.
0: Well, it can be a little more raw on the AV Club, but I think when someone's mom is involved, they they know to have the proper decorum. They're they're polite. They're they're a good group as internet commenters go. I can I can vouch for them.
1: All right, because you know I cry easily. <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, today we are talking about uh, the latest episode of Mad Men you're reviewing for us called The Runaways, but before we do that, talk to me about this season of Mad Men so far and and how you're enjoying it.
1: Well, I I don't enjoy this season that much, and I'm going to tell you why. Hmm. I really liked, when it started, I really liked the fashion and the... uh, accoutrements that were in people's apartments or in the office, and now that they've progressed further along, the fashion is very different, and it's it's not as comforting to me.
0: Interesting, interesting. So, but how does it feel to you? Because I think it's, I think that the fashion on this week's show in particular, Megan had some fantastic dresses. All of her actor friends had some great clothes, very lively, very colorful. I love Megan's LA apartment, which is just bursting with color. But uh, how does it make you feel if it doesn't comfort you?
1: Um, It makes me feel a little anxious. Really? Well, and I will tell you this during that time, which people may be very shocked to know I lived through, (laughs) I was very preppy. I see. You know, I was the Peter Pan collar and the circle pin and not... I don't
0: know what that, I don't know what that is. What is the Peter Pan collar?
1: It's a piece of jewelry, a little, it's a little, you know, it's very tasteful and loafers and all that, you know. Um, I was not like the pregnant, what is she niece?
0: Uh, well, she she's kind of his niece. Yeah, she's Anna Draper's niece.
1: And she, you know, people that dress like that were were just. Ugh, I just couldn't get into that at all. You know, that hippie kind of thing right. was, you know, was very off for me. That was that was really far out. To use the term from the time. Um, and you'd kind of look down on those people.
0: So you're talking about Stephanie's bohemian look. Is what yes. you're talk- yeah. Um, and uh, also Roger Sterling's daughter has the whole hippie commune thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So that just reminds you of a certain energy? It does remind
1: time? me of a certain energy that, that was just not at all in line with what I was interested in. And and so let's while we're talking about Megan, though, let's talk about her actions.
0: Yes, let's talk about uh, Megan this season. Why do you disapprove?
1: Well, certainly, ooh, it certainly was surprising to me, but I think she felt a little threatened by the niece.
0: I see. So you're you're talking, well, which actions, so we're talking about this latest episode then, and which actions are you talking about? Are you talking about the threesome or about yes. the, okay?
1: Yes, about the threesome.
0: Well, she was definitely threatened by Stephanie, Don's quote-unquote niece.
1: Right. Um, and why do you think that is? Well, I think she's just feeling insecure herself with, with what's going on in Hollywood for her. Doesn't seem like she's taking off you know that's what hollywood seems like to me big promises big big talk but the reality of it is there must be thousands of people that have that are beautiful and have a minimum of talent that that go out there and are very disappointed
0: <laughs> yeah i yeah, I think it's a it's a town of shattered dreams for sure. And don't you think also that she sees Don uh, so eager to take care of Stephanie? You know, he gets a smile on his face when she you know whenever he talks to her on the phone. And definitely, uh, maybe not as excited about uh, taking care of Megan.
1: That's right. But I really, I think if she if she would analyze a little bit, she would see that Don has the attention span of a flea and uh, he's really not worth it.
0: Well, you're a big Don fan going way back, I know.
1: Yeah, uh, and and maybe we could discuss that a little bit because (laughs) Daddy thinks he's just the bomb, as do you, and... Why?
0: Well, I, I, I don't think he's a good person, but I certainly find I still find him fascinating to watch. I think that the people, uh, you know, there are some critics who are tired of Don Draper, and I read some opinions that um, after the end of season six, that he. That they felt that his story had drawn to a close but i'm endlessly fascinated by him and i love watching him this season finally attempt to live in the life that he created for himself because you know all along he's you know he did create this myth for himself but he was always he always bristled against it he was always uncomfortable in it and now we see him you know taking a shot at it and it's interesting to see him struggle with that because he built this for himself
1: and it's very interesting to see how the workplace is is panning out, I think. Yeah. Um and I just can't help but feel that he has something up his sleeve.
0: Well, he's... But maybe
1: not, you know, maybe this is maybe this is Don 2.0, you know, a little mellow or a little um, a little more not fighting the the river flow. <laughs>
0: That's right. Very hip reference, Mom. What was Don 2.0.
1: Yeah, I know. You
0: should make that a Twitter hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me why you why why you despise Don so because I know you actually don't care for him.
1: I don't care for him. I I think he's very handsome, but I I just think he's he's like a kid in a candy shop. He's he has no loyalty. He has No devotion. You know, he's somebody he and this is why I really don't like him. Because he's somebody that I would probably fall for and he's just a rat. (laughs) You would fall
0: tell me why you would fall for him. That's fascinating. Well
1: he's good looking, he knows what to say, he knows how to he knows how to listen to you and give you just what you need to hear, just what you want. I'm sure I would be a sucker for that.
0: Oh yeah, I love him just for that very reason
1: see see you love him but he's really a big pig
0: oh he definitely is yeah he's a monster
1: yeah i just he's very self-centered and he's all about himself and (laughs) you know he's just poison but, but but how do you
0: feel about him this season when he's you know fitfully riding his ship a little bit
1: well is he i mean do you remember when he was on the airplane coming back from la
0: well, I do. It, that was the first episode of the season, and he had every opportunity to get up to his old tricks. He, you know, he's smooth-talking, that, um, that woman on the plane, but he didn't go, you know, he didn't sleep with her.
1: Well, she was busy.
0: No, no, I think he I think he uh, gracefully excused himself from her. Oh, that. that's right, yeah. he did, he did. See, you're this right. is, you're not, you don't give him the credit that he deserves.
1: Well, I don't give him any credit. I, find I don't it, give him any credit. How, so, how do you see this well? oh well wait, let's talk about the computer the the guy that was uh, paranoid about the computer
0: yes, I think that's uh that's that Did was <laughs> well, I was quite surprised um i I mean I think that it, first of all, it was a great performance by the uh, fellow who plays Michael Ginsburg. I got to look up his name right now, but we'll keep talking while I do that. Okay. I, I found it to be a very unsettling performance. I was really worried about him because I've always had sympathy for him. He's sweet, and I, uh, you know, he's complex. I've always been interested in him. But yeah, I was sad to see, I was shocked by the nipple. That was the that was the shock moment of the season, it I think. That
1: was very shocking. That I I really sat up and gasped. I really did. <laughs> it it was just so, you know, it's very it's very hard to put yourself back in a time period that doesn't exist anymore in that computers, nobody gives it a second thought. Everybody has a computer. Yeah. And um there's things like that that are on the show that I lived through, but even I don't remember uh, people that were paranoid about computers.
0: What was the first computer that you used? Uh, by the way, Michael um, Ginsburg is portrayed by Ben Feldman quite expertly. I just want to get that out there. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Yay, Ben. <laughs> but I guess he's gone, right? We're not going to see him again. Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, the first computer I used was at a company in Philadelphia where I used um, a telex machine and placed orders for electronic parts on a computer.
0: Now, tell the tell the listeners at home who may not remember uh, what a telex machine is.
1: Well, I'm not sure I ever knew. Oh, my God, I was terrible <laughs> at it. It was one of those machines that would do beep, boop, bop, and you had to type in certain certain uh, codes, and I never knew what the hell I was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I, I, said a word. <laughs> I never knew what I was doing, and I'll tell you, there were days that I was ready to call in sick when I had to use it. <laughs> it was so confusing, and I just hated it.
0: Well, it was, a, it was a, like a primitive fax machine, basically, right? You sent yes. text um, messages through through this machine. So you can really sympathize with Ginsburg's plight in this uh, episode then.
1: Well, I really can't, because I don't remember a time like that.
0: <laughs> well, but you just said you were threatened by the Telex machine, and he's threatened by the uh, IBM 360
1: well, not enough oh, to cut something off my body
0: that's you never cut off any body parts
1: I didn't not even a toe no, no. <laughs> not on purpose or by accident no it was it was it was uh you know you just i was uh, you know Johnny, I'll be honest with you, mm-hmm. I still am amazed at the telephone
0: i I think that's very healthy
1: How does this work every time I get on a plane, I'm sure i'm flying into death's door. So, you know, I don't know.
0: Well, you were astonished even by the setup for this podcast in which I used the uh, Skype to call you on the telephone.
1: Right, because to me, Skype is looking at someone on the computer.
0: Well, you can do that too.
1: Well, I'm in my pajamas, so it's good we're not doing that right now. (laughs) Um, And I also would like to talk a little bit about Peggy.
0: Peggy. Well, talk about Peggy. What's your feeling about Peggy right now?
1: Well, I really, I think Peggy is really the person that most personifies all these years that that, that have been portrayed on the show. I think her character came through certain things, you know, having a baby when it was so verboten, Mm. and I, I really think her character is the most true to my memory of that time.
0: That may well that figures, right? Right. She's a little right? older than is she a little older than you were at the time or is she about the same age as you were at the time?
1: Well, I sort of just relate to her the best I yeah. guess. You know, I think she would probably have been a little older than me. Yeah. More like my sister's age, but um everything that she's come through, trying to find her place in the workplace and um, make a stand, and those those things were all very real, and I think she portrays them with... with um, she's convincing.
0: Yeah, Elizabeth Moss is.
1: I really like her.
0: Yeah. I liked her on The West Wing. I've been a fan of hers for a long time.
1: I don't watch that show. But you know what? We watched her on... Uh, what was that crazy show? In New Zealand.
0: Um, The um, top of the lake. Top of the lake. Top
1: of the lake. That's right. That's right. I don't know. I think she's really a very fine actress.
0: So you sympathize with her as she's sort of battling with with Don's return in this, in this season. I think the most vivid Peggy moment for me this season was when she came into the uh, creative lounge and said to Don, uh, you know, you weren't missed.
1: Well, I didn't think that was necessary.
0: <laughs> no, even that was, but this is Don we're talking about. She's striking a blow for you.
1: Oh, you know, I don't hate Don. I just told you I would fall for him.
0: <laughs> well, you're very suspicious of him.
1: I'm very suspicious of him because I, I, I'm standing far away from him. But I, uh, believe me, if I was standing in the same room with him, I'd be like a melted fuzzicle on the floor. <laughs> I'm a, sure I would a be. A
0: melted fuzzicle on the floor, no less.
1: Melted, yes, <laughs> in a puddle. That, you know, I think he's very dangerous. I'm glad I'm not near him.
0: All right, so what about some of the other women on the show, like Sally? Do you identify with her at all?
1: Um, I don't. I really don't identify with her. Um, but it's interesting for me to watch her because I think I would have liked to have been like her. You know, was a very good little girl. Mm. And, you know, I think she has some things to be rebellious about, and she, she, she acts out on those, and I really admire that. I think she's really true to herself.
0: You know, and she sees the world with such, the world around her at least, with such clarity. You know, she sees her family with such clarity, um, which I think Don has always both admired and and uh, been stressed by, because he, you know, he wants to throw smoke in people's eyes, and right. she, you know, sees through him so often. And, of course, it drives Betty crazy.
1: Well, I know it drives Betty crazy. I... Uh, You know, I I loved Betty in the first season. I loved everything about her, the way she dressed, the way she held a cigarette, her hairstyle. I loved everything about her. And then I didn't really like her that much after.
0: Because, well, those are all superficial things that you mentioned. Did her style change in a way that you didn't like, or do you just not like the the way her character evolved?
1: I don't like the way her character evolved. Although I'm sure... I'm sure that happened. I grew up in what was called a bedroom community. I don't mm-hmm. um so to me all those to me I, everything was um Ozzy and Harriet <laughs> Beaver Cleaver. And it was only as an adult that I when I spoke to people that I realized what a nasty little community it really was.
0: Oh and really? So, Tell yes. me. Tell me.
1: Well, Um, There was a family that lived across the street that looked just like Leave it to Beaver. You know, there was a daughter, the mother, they sat down for dinner every night with a tablecloth and everything was in serving dishes and just very elegant. They had a little dog and they had a garden, you know, where my house, my mother served everything from the stove. We sat in this tiny little kitchen and... You know, after dinner, my mother would sit there and have a cigarette. There was none of this elegance. Well, I come to find out many years later that the father across the street was a raving alcoholic and so resented his daughter that he never spoke to her.
0: Jeez.
1: He never spoke to her. And then he would immediately after dinner sit in his chair and get drunk every night and she said he would just sit there and pass out and fart all night.
0: <laughs> Jesus. I laughed, but it's very sad.
1: It is sad. But to me everybody's house looked so much more interesting than mine, so much more pulled together. And mm. you know, the woman next door was having an affair with her boss and the whole the whole town was was like Peyton Place.
0: Well, Betty is still so committed to keeping up this facade that you talk about of of really of the bedroom community and of this idealized suburban life, and uh, she she gets into it with her husband in this in this episode.
1: Was very interesting to me um, that she challenged him in front of other people
0: without meaning to, though.
1: Well, without meaning to, but you, but there was some anger behind it. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he took great offense to it, but you can see even she's coming into herself, wanting to do her own thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, which I think she's always played at, and and we're we're talking about the the Vietnam debate. You know, she, in case people haven't seen it, she talks about Vietnam when a couple of guests at what at this basically fundraising thing um, at their house. And uh, her her husband, who's uh, who, what is his name? It's hard to keep track of all the characters.
1: My God, who even cares what his name is? He's an old grump. <laughs> well, <I can't
0: laughs> yeah, you think so? Tell me. I
1: do. I do think he's a. I think he's a stodgy old grump.
0: I think he's a little stodgy, but I think he's also uh, Henry Francis is the husband's name. I think so. I, I think Henry is uh, is a little stodgy, but don't I mean? Wouldn't you? go a little crazy living living with Betty? I think I would, because Betty is the kind of person who says things like, you know, hey, I'm smart too. I speak Italian. And it's just like, on the one hand, you're excited that she's standing up for herself, and on the other hand, she just, they they write these lines for her, and she sounds just like a child.
1: Well, I realize she does, but, you know, she's, she's uh, creating a, a path that uh, for women, was was very difficult. Women never have an opinion, certainly not out in public. Yeah. And to have an opinion uh, with a man who's, who's, whose reality is all about image, you know, he's all superficial.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because he, you know, when they first got together, he seemed like the voice of reason, especially compared to Don, Right, uh, but um, I I do find him less and less sympathetic, and in this episode especially, I, you know, especially because his his position on Vietnam is so wishy washy and tedious. You know, I support the president. You, you you do end up rooting for Betty, even though Betty is uh, she's advocating for us to basically stay in Vietnam forever.
1: Well, you know, there it was very surprising actually for that time. People's opinions, yeah, and and where their loyalties fell in in that you have to you have to also realize um, war used to be a great badge. I was in World War II, Mm. was a great badge. I fought in Korea, great badge. Vietnam came along, and now it was shameful. Mm. It it was just a very odd um, awareness of you know it was very uh, polarizing.
0: And I think that her support, you know, her such strong support of the war that she expressed, and perhaps she was expressing it because she thought that's what uh, Henry's position was, I don't know, but she seemed to believe it. Uh, And it seems in keeping with her desire of always maintaining the myth, you know, Betty seems to believe that if you pretend hard enough at something, at something that she's seen, some images she's been presented with, if she believes hard in it and pretends hard enough, eventually it'll come true.
1: Right.
0: You know, I always look at Betty as the as someone who gets caught up in the the advertising world that Don creates. Right. right. Like she's the type of person who has fallen victim to all the idealized images that Don and people like him have presented exactly. to the country.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, fashion magazines were mm. th- those. That was the reading at the at the swim club in the summer. Women were just rabidly sharing them and reading them, and it it really was a very evolutionary time. Mm.
0: And Betty's just a little behind the curve.
1: Right, and I think that's a perfect way to put it. I really do. I really do, because for so long she has, you know, eaten the other kind of cookie, and now she's realizing she can have her own thoughts.
0: Yeah. So the one moment I wanted to to ask you about is what I think is the the most startling Don moment for me was when he does go into uh, that private meeting between uh, Sterling Cooper and between the cigarette company. And he... uh, he basically throws out these ideals that he had proffered in the new york times years earlier right he says hey you know i'm i'm your guy now i know the the other side strategy He, he sells himself out completely this was quite startling to me and i was startled that i was startled because i felt like well of course you know don's don sold out every other belief that he supposedly had you know he's he's a survivor First,
1: Definitely. First
0: and foremost, right? But I still felt a little bad that he had um, dispensed with this principle so cavalierly uh, to save, him, save himself. Now, now, what? So, how did it affect you? If it affected you I at did, all,
1: I did not feel that way because this is what I felt like. I felt like he's getting a toehold. He has more greatness in him. You know, he's a clever fella
0: <laughs> yes he has to say the least he has
1: more greatness in him but if he's out on the street he has no stage so maintaining a foothold in the whole thing i i really loved it i really applauded it so i th- thought it was genius really to go in and humble, humble yourself like that, I thought it was wonderful. And I think he has more things up his sleeve. I really do.
0: Do you think he has a longer plan than this? Is that what you're saying? I
1: do. Hmm. I really do. That's why, that's why I'm anxious to see the next episode. I, I just do believe he does. And if he didn't at that moment, he at least uh, gained enough momentum to be there again.
0: Right. I, yeah, I, I actually don't think he, he had a longer plan in this episode. I think that he was, I think he's a talented improviser. Uh, yeah. And, and I, think that, I think that you're right, now he's bought himself a little time, but I think that he was just making the one move that he could. And now he does have a great deal of leverage. I mean, it was a great move, but now I think he's going to scheme uh, from here. Right. Now, what would you do if you got a nipple? In the mail? No, if you were in Peggy's seat when Ginsberg handed over that nipple, what would you do?
1: I think I would have said, oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> That's all? Yeah, I, I don't... I I think, you know, I know that you like this... this uh,
0: Ginsberg? Crazy
1: guy. Ginsburg, nipple yeah. guy. <laughs> but I just never could get a handle on him. I never understood what he was all about. And, and now I feel bad because you said he's very sweet, and, you know, that, that makes me feel sad that I just think he's annoying. Like, let's move on to uh, uh, Fraser Crane's son or somebody. Let's move on.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Fraser Crane's Frederick Crane? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Well, you know, I never realized that, that the kid who played Freddy is, uh, I don't... Get out! I never, I mean, I knew he was familiar, but I never made that connection, that he's one of the copywriters.
1: Yeah. That's right.
0: Huh. And you're more interested in Freddy Crane?
1: Well, yeah. Why? Well, he's such
0: a, he's, he's so, he's such a suck be up nice. and he's just, he's just happy to be there. Yeah, I know. Well, I you know, I think Ginsberg is partly sweet, and he's partly cynical, and I thought he was complex, and his nervousness I always found uh, both uh, unsettling and appealing. I liked when he was around.
1: But you know who we've left out, who we really should talk about, who I think that Mad Men has left out so much this season? Yes. Joan.
0: That's right. We have not seen much of Joan.
1: No. And I found her very interesting. I found her to be as similar to Don as a woman should be.
0: That's interesting, because a lot of critics say that Peggy has, over the course of the series, transformed into Don, which I'm, always, I'm not always quite as on board with that as some critics are. But tell me why you find Joan to be like Don.
1: I think she's very wily. I think she's very clever with her, with her uh, words. But she also used her body um, to get some things, too.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, to get some very big things. Yeah. So give a grade to uh, the Runaways.
1: Well, there was a lot in it. I'm going to have to give it a B plus.
0: A B plus. That's pretty good.
1: What would you give it?
0: Uh, you know, I hate grades. Oh, gonna. for
1: God's sake, I take mine back. <laughs> you have to grade it.
0: All right, I'll give it a, a B+.
1: Well, how original of you?
0: <laughs> now, are you still playing Candy Crush?
1: Oh, my God, I am, and it's all Ellie's fault.
0: Ellie Gibson, uh, an it's occasional gamological contributor, yeah. Ellie Why is it her it fault? it was
1: the best game of 2013. So after a three-month hiatus, I went back and said, well, let me see. Let me see if I agree with her. And so now it's been, what, since since January, and now I'm back in it again. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to pretend I'm above it all, but I'm frantic because my friend is just kicking my butt, and I can't get off this level that I'm on, and...
0: Jane Regazzo is kicking your butt. Is that, is that who the friend is? Yes. Oh, boy. How far, how many levels ahead is she?
1: She's about six levels ahead of there.
0: <laughs> that's but not too you know, far. I you can make up that ground. New- hmm? You can make up that ground.
1: Well, the thing is, though, I'm trying not to be obsessive about it.
0: Well, that's hard with that game.
1: Well, and my personality, a little obsessive.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, I was surprised that over Easter you had me getting you through levels.
1: Well, I don't think we need to talk about that.
0: Well, I think Jane Regazzo should know that your Candy Crush journey is partly fraudulent. Well. But you know what? You never buy any power-ups, and I bet Jane Regazzo was shelling out for those power-ups all the time. So you I should wonder, have no shame.
1: I wonder. Oh, I'm not going to ask her. Yeah, because I, I had a lot of stuff for you to use. Yeah,
0: you did. You don't even use them, let alone buy them. You let them pile up when they give them to you for free.
1: Well, you get something free every day now, you know. Oh, really? Spin the wheel.
0: Uh, yeah, they're getting desperate.
1: Yeah, are they?
0: Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's doing. I think that at some point that company will collapse. It's just a matter of time.
1: They're advertising uh, something else on TV now.
0: Oh, yeah? Another saga game?
1: I think it was a pet. pet Rescue.
0: Pet Rescue Saga, yeah, not as good.
1: Yeah. Well, we already discussed that, so let's don't bore them with it.
0: <laughs> oh, right. Well, Mom, that was an excellent review. Uh, how about we do Game of Thrones next time?
1: Oh, I would love to do that.
0: Okay, next time on Mom on Pop. My do mom, you know what? Yeah.
1: They finally showed a man part on there.
0: What do you mean, finally? They've done that many times before.
1: No, they have not.
0: Sure, Hodor. We've seen Hodor's junk at least once.
1: Is he the one that was dragged behind the horse?
0: Uh, Hodor is the one named Hodor who doesn't say anything but Hodor. <laughs>
1: well, that no, was the one No, he is I- not
0: the one who was dragged behind the horse who was another. That's right, there was another fella who uh, let it all hang out, so to speak.
1: Well, I- I've had enough breasts, so...
0: Come on, you okay. can never get enough breaths. <laughs>
1: Well, Johnny, let's don't get into that, okay?
0: All right. Well, we'll get into all that next time when you review Game of Thrones. Uh, Great job on your first Mom on Pop, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. I love you.
0: I love you too, Bob. So long.
1: Bye.